So welcome all, glorious devotees. I'm, I'm happy to see so many of you here. Let us begin. Om Namashristam Manumapi Shachiputramatrasvarupam Rupam Tasyagrajam Murupurim Maturim Goshtavatim Radha Kundam Girivaramaho Radhika Madavasham Rapto Yasya Pratitakripaya Shri Gurum Tamnatosmi O Manchakalpatarubyascha Kripasindubya Eva Chapatitanam Pavanibyo Vaishnavibyo Namo Namaha Namo Mahavadanyaya Krishna Prima Pradayati Krishnaya Krishna Chaitana Namine Gauratvishe Namaha He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagatpati Gopisha Gopika Kantaradha Kantana Mustuti Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavanishwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Haripriye Vrinda vanavanipati jayo soma soma mauli sanaka sanatana sanandana radidya gopishvara vrajavila sayugangri padme prima prayacha nirupadhina mona masti jayo sri krishna chaitanya prunityananda sri advaita gadadhara shivasivishigaura bhakti vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Iva Kevalam, Kalo Nastieva, 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 Gatiranyata. First of all, let me offer my humble obeisances at the lotus feet of my initiating spiritual master, Shilabhaktivedanta Tripurari, Dev Goswami Maharaj. Let me also offer my obeisances at the lotus feet of my Shiksha Guru, Shijimar Gopananda Bon Maharaj. And let me offer my obeisances at the lotus feet of all the Vaishnavas, the glorious Vaishnavas like Ardulal uh, Prabhu says. I want to thank you for giving me this chance to, to speak for my own edification and my own purification. And especially I want to thank uh, Swami Padmanabha, who has arranged this whole thing and who asked me to speak on this topic. Now the Manashiksha uh, means the teachings to the mind. This is a, a small text of really 11 plus one verses. Uh, that is uh, a text where the bhakta, the devotee, addresses his own mind. So it's very much a text of teaching. That's what shiksha means, teaching. Teachings to the mind, manaha. But it's also a very deep text. And in many ways, it's a text much deeper than the kind of death that I have in myself. So I'm very much going out on a, on a limb speaking about this topic. Uh, I cannot say that I have full realization of all the topics in this book by any means. So I hope that, that you will be able to help me and uh, 
maybe together we can we can get something out of this text. The text in itself consists uh, all in all of, of 12 verses. I said it's 11 plus one because it's uh, uh, really 11 verses of teaching and then a final concluding verse of benediction, a so-called palashruti. Once you've heard the whole text, there will be some kind of reward for the hearing. We will hear about that the last time. But 12 verses and eight times, of course, means that uh, we will sometimes have to go through two verses in one sitting. Not today, though, because today is the first time, and I want to give a little bit of, a, of an introduct introduction to the text, a little bit of a context to the text, so that we can then, in the upcoming times, go deeper and deeper into the text. Because this is also what we will see about the text itself. The, the 11 main verses, uh, they go from a kind of basic level, deeper and deeper and deeper. And we will actually end up with some of the most confidential uh, secrets of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So this really isn't a, a text for a beginner. Nevertheless, a beginner like me has the audacity to speak on it, but I'm doing so by the blessings of the Vaishnavas. So Mana Shiksha is a little text written by Raghunath Dasa Goswami. Raghunath Das is one of the famed six Goswamis of Vrindavan. Uh, Raghunath Das was born perhaps in 1497, but this is a little bit unsure, but at the end of the 15th century in Bengal. He was the son of a, a very wealthy merchant, Hiranya Majumdar. Uh, his father and his uncle, Govardhan, were both Vaishnavs. They were followers of Sri Chaitanya Dev. Uh, sponsors of his movement in different ways. Uh, and beloved de uh, devotees, de beloved disciples of, of Mahaprabhu Sh Chaitanya Dev. But Raghunath Das, growing up in this very opulent, this very rich and uh, privileged family, felt that uh, his family situation was holding him back. He wanted to run away from family life and to join Mahaprabhu in Puri and stay together with him as, an, as, a, as a recluse, as an ascetic. And while his family was a very religious family and, and a devoted family, they were, they were devotees of, of, of Mahaprabhu, they, of course, didn't like this idea of this young boy of 18 or 19 running away from home and becoming some kind of monk. So they tried to keep him at home. Uh, once when he had tried to run away, his mother even suggested they should, suggested that they should tie him up. Uh, his father had a bit more sense, so he said that, that well, if he's so attached to, to this Chaitanya that he's, he's willing to run away from all these riches and everything, Ropes and chains are not going to help. So they tried to keep him, but they were unsuccessful. And at the end, he, he managed to run away and he, he joined uh, Chaitanya in, in Jagannath Puri. 
where uh, Chaitanya was, was staying at that time. And Raghunath Das, he spent uh, several years in the company of Chaitanya there in, in Puri until uh, the, the disappearance or the, 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 the time when uh, uh, Mahaprabhu left this world for his eternal pastimes in the spiritual world. At that time, uh, Raghunath had been living in a very, very ascetic and very, very uh, frighteningly uh, renounced way there in, in Jagannath Puri. We can read about all of this in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Uh, he felt his whole, whole world was collapsing. So he thought that he would go to Vrindavan and he would commit suicide by jumping off the Govardhan Hill, a kind of, of spiritual suicide. So he went to Vrindavan. And when in Vrindavan uh, he met Rup and Sanatan Goswamis and the other devotees who were there already, uh, they convinced him not to do such a drastic thing. Maybe it also helped that he saw that Govardhan isn't such a huge mountain after all. It would be kind of hard to actually take your life by jumping off it. Anyway, he decided to, to uh, continue with his life. And he did so under the guidance of Rupa and, and Sanatan Goswami. So he spent the rest of his, his, his life there in, in Vrindavan. He settled at Radhakund, Radha's sacred uh, lake. And he spent his time there uh, in intense spiritual practices, cultivating the mood of separation from Radha and Krishna, Viraha Bhava, the mood of separation, paradoxical mood of, of suffering and uh, bliss, or bliss in suffering. He led a very ascetic life there as well. He would eat just a little bit every day. He would sleep maybe an hour and a half. Uh, a frighteningly, frighteningly simple life. He would offer, offer obeisances, uh, dandavats to the devotees, to the local people, thousands of times every day. He would recite 64 rounds on his mala every day. Uh, but he was also writing. Raghunath Das, compared to Sanatan, Rupa, and Jiva, wasn't a theologian. He didn't write any of these learned, uh, voluminous Sanskrit texts as they did, but he was a poet. So most of his writing is poetry. He wrote two short dramas, Dana Keli Kaumudi and Mukta Charita. But uh, he's best known for his poetry, which was later on collected into a, a, a book called the Stavavali, or a collection of, of stavas or, or, or prayers or, or poems. And Manashiksha is one of these. Manashiksha is one of the texts of this Stavavali collection of hymns of Raghunath Das's. Raghunath Dasa was also the teacher of Krishna Das Kaviraj, the author of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So we learn many of the details of his life 
in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, but other details we can learn in other texts, such as the Bhakti Ratnakara or, or similar uh, writings of the generation following him. Raghunath Das was also unique among the Goswamis uh, for not coming from a Brahmana family. Raghunath Das's parents uh, were Kayasthas. The Kayastha uh, caste is unique to Bengal. Uh, Kayasthas uh, originally were scribes. Uh, and today, and even in those days, the Kayastha caste was considered to be not Brahmins, not Shudras, but somewhere in between. Or sometimes they were considered Shudras as well by, by Brahmin uh, authorities. So he comes from a different kind of family than, than Rup Sanatan, uh, uh, Gopala Bhatta, uh, Raghunath Bhatta. He's not a Brahmin. But that doesn't mean that he didn't have a, a Sanskrit education. He, in his poetry, he shows great familiarity with uh, not only Sanskrit grammar, vocabulary, but also with uh, aesthetic theory, uh, modes of composition, and so on. Especially we can see this in, in his uh, dramas. But most of all, his texts are characterized by intensity of feeling, intensity of feeling. They are never dry, never uh, hard to understand, but always very emotional and very intense. And this, of course, is what we're going to, to come across here in the Manashiksha as well. It really is a text that speaks to us as practitioners, as practitioners who have emotions, practitioners who have a mind, not only a, a body and a mind which we need to engage in bhakti in one way or another. So uh, I'm not going to, to bore you with a, a PowerPoint presentation, but I'm just going to, to share one slide with you so that we can recite this uh, first verse together. We're not going to really do it together because if we everybody puts on their microphone, you know, in Zoom that doesn't work, it will just be a mess up. But I will recite uh, each line first and then you can follow. And I'll, I'll recite with you as well. So we can pretend that we're sitting together and reciting. So can you see this, Manashiksha verse 1? Good. So Manashiksha, uh, all the verses are written in the same meter. Uh, this meter is called Shikharini. Uh, Sanskrit poetry uh, has different kinds of meters, such as, uh, as Western poetry, of course, uh, as well. Uh, but uh, the metrics of Sanskrit poetry are somewhat different. For example, this Shikharini uh, meter consists of four lines of 17 syllables. And the syllables, they have to be in a particular uh, of a particular quality. Sanskrit metrics is based on so-called 
guru and laghu syllables, heavy and and light syllables, or long and short syllables, we can call them as well. Shikarini begins with uh, a short syllable, like gu, or sva, sa, a. Uh, and then we get six heavy or long syllables after. Then after the seventh syllable, there's a, what in Latin is called a cesura, uh, a, a short, short break. And then you get the rest of the syllables, 10 more syllables, mostly light syllables. So you get a very particular kind of rhythm uh, in the verses. Verses. Those of you who know the Jagannath Hashtaka, uh, that's another example of the Shikharini meter. So let's do one line at a time. Gurau goshte goshtala yesu sujane bhu suragane. 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 Svamantre Shri Namni Vrajanava Yuvadvand Vasharani Svamantre Shri Namni Vrajanava Yuvadvand Vasharani Svamantre Shri Namni Vrajanava Yuvadvand Vasharani Sadadambham Hitva Kururati Mapurva Matitaram Sadadambham Hitva Va-kururati-mapurva-matitaram-sadadam-ham-hitva-kururati-mapurva-matitaram-ayesvantar-bratash-chatubirabhiyachedritapada-ayesvantar-bratash-chatubirabhiyachedritapada-ayesvantar-
uh, Indian culture is a very graphic way of showing respect. I place myself at your feet. I'm as low as the dust of your feet. So he's taking a very humble position in respect to his own mind. And he calls his mind my internal brother. I entreat you with sweet words. This is a very different kind of approaching the mind than what we sometimes come across. The spiritual master of uh, Prabhupada. He used to say that in the morning you should take a stick and you should beat your mind a hundred times. And in the evening before going to bed, you should wear your boots and you should kick your mind a hundred times. You should discipline the mind. That's what he meant, of course. This is what Raghunath Das is doing here as well, but he's taking a different approach. He's saying, oh, my mind, you're my brother. You're my internal brother. You're my best friend and I love you. But I have something to tell you and I entreat you to listen to me. Don't think that I'm upset with you, that uh, I have anything against you, but I have something to tell you. So please pay attention. He's not coming out as a big fighter and a big destroyer of the mind or anything like that. He's approaching the mind in a very gentle and sweet way. Because after all, uh, as the Bhagavad Gita tells us, uh, it is by the mind that we should uh, elevate ourselves, just as it is by the mind that we uh, degrade ourselves, the same mind that we will have to use to elevate ourselves. In the Upanishads, in the, one of the Yoga Upanishads, it is said that it is the mind that will uh, entangle us in this world the mind that will take us in all crazy directions. The mind will tell us, go for this, go for that. Try this out, try out that one. Do this karma, do this devotion, do this jnana, uh, 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 do this tapas, do all these kind of things. So it's the mind that entangles us in this world, but it's the same mind that will liberate us from this world when the mind turns in a different direction. So to think that the mind is our enemy on the spiritual path is an illusion. The mind, yes, can be our enemy when the mind pulls us down, when the mind pulls us down into sensuality, into uh, self-centeredness, when the mind pulls us into turning our gaze away from Krishna. But when the same mind turns us towards spiritual pursuits, it's the same mind that will elevate us. So Raghunath Das here, he's approaching the mind in this way. I'm going to have to tell you some heavy things, my dear internal brother, but I'm not doing it out of spite or out of anger or out of anything like that. I'm doing it because I love you and because 
uh, I know that if we work together, we're going to be an amazing team. And this really is what the whole process of bhakti is about. We practice our mind. We tell our mind, uh, we make our mind get attached to things that will elevate us. A mind may be accustomed to doing all kinds of, of things that are not really good for us. But if we get the mind uh, to be uh, mindful and uh, used to things that will elevate us, a mind will be our best friend on the spiritual path. We will feel like worshipping Krishna. Worshipping Krishna will not be something where we'll have to force ourselves, but our mind will say, wow, it would be so nice to read the scriptures. It would be so nice to chant the holy name, so on. So what is it that Raghunath now tells his mind in such a humble and loving way? Let's go one line back. Sadadam hitva kururatim apurvam atitara. Always give up pride. In develop and develop unprecedented an ecstatic love. Always give up pride. Sadadambham hitva. Dambha means pride in general. But Shalabhaktivinot Thakur, the father of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati and uh, another member of our illustrious Guru Parampara or preceptorial succession, who lived towards the end of the 19th century. Bhaktivinot Thakur, he wrote a commentary on this Manashiksha, which uh, uh, we can read today. It's a very, uh, it's a kind of short, uh, condensed commentary on the Manashiksha, but it's very useful and it has been used by, by uh, later Vaishnavas for their own uh, comments. And there in the, his commentary, Bhakti no Thakur, he expands this idea of Dambha into uh, a sixfold uh, system of, of kind of evil aspects of the mind that we should get rid of. The first of this is maya or illusion. Uh, in preparing for these lectures, I, I have been reading a, a few different uh, editions of the Manashiksha. Uh, there's this one. Maybe some of you have seen this or have this. This is uh, the edition published by Shalanarayan Maharaj. It has, it's based on the commentary of Bhakti Nautakur. Thakur. Uh, there's another one also published by by Srimati Urmila Dasi in ISKCON. It's a proper book. And uh, it's such a big book, even though it's only 11 verses, because uh, she has collected into this one, not only Bhakti Nortakur's comment, but also the comments of, of several present day ISKCON gurus. Uh, I particularly like the comments of Bhakti Vigyan Goswami, a, a, a Russian sannyasi. He has, has quite nice and, and uh, and, and uh, thoughtful co comments where he often refers to Russian thinkers and, and authors. And I, I, I have a, a liking for Russian literature, so I like that as well. He, he mentions, for example, in, com in the context of this Maya or this tendency of illusion in the mind, 
something that Pushkin had said, uh, the great Russian poet, that uh, illusion, how easily we fall into illusion, how willingly we fall into illusion. And that's, of course, one of our problems as not only sadhakas, but as human beings, human beings in general, uh, how willing we are to be uh, fooled, really. How little it takes when we have the desire to believe in something. How little it takes to kind of bloop, fall down into illusion. Dhamma also means things like uh, duplicity or things such as uh, uh, the tendency of, to cheat. Bhaktivedigyan Goswami also tells a story about uh, a Muslim man who was a real rascal and uh, uh, doing everything against the precepts of the, 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 the Islamic religion. So one mullah, one priest once told him off and, and told him that, come on, why are you living your life like this? Just uh, drinking and whoring and everything. And uh, this Muslim said that, but don't you know that in the Quran, in the sacred Quran, it is said that eat, drink and be happy. And the mullah said, I, come on, haven't you read the rest of the, the verse? It says, the person who eats, drinks and is happy will throw away his life. So this man said, yeah, 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 there's all kinds of things in the Holy Scriptures, but uh, you can't believe in everything. So I prefer to believe in this first part of the verse. So our mind by nature has the tendency to fall into illusion, to be duplicious, to cheat, to try to go where the fence is the lowest. If we are a little bit introspective, we'll realize that this story isn't about some Muslim man. It's actually about me. I'm that person in the story. So Raghunath Das is saying, please, my internal brother, give up this kind of nonsense. Give up this dambha, give up this pride, because pride really is what makes us do all these things. Pride is what, what makes us think that I am entitled. I am so special that the rules that are there for others, they don't really apply to me. I'm Brigupad Das. I can do as I wish. Kanaram, he needs to do this thing, Omkar, Saragrahi, and so on. But I'm special. I don't need to care about things like that. I'm not. I'm no more special than anybody else. And at the same time, I'm just as special as everybody else, depending on which perspective we want to take. But nevertheless, my dear mind, give up this kind of cheating. Develop unprecedented ecstatic love. To whom? That's what the first two lines of the verse describes. Eight different categories, or eight, eight different tattvas, Bhaktivinoda says, eight different objects where we should try to focus our love. That's the first line. 
Sujani, Bhusurgani, Gurau to the Guru to the preceptor. In our Gaudiya Vaishnava tradition, uh, we have different kinds of preceptors. There's the, the Diksha Guru or the initiating Guru, the one that uh, opens up the door to uh, religious practice for us, who throws up the doors and calls us, come, come, I have something wonderful to show you. I started my Mangala Charan, our, our auspicious invocatory prayers, with another verse by the same Raghunath Das Goswami, who wrote the Manashiksha, uh, which is all about the Guru. Where he says that uh, I bow down to the Guru, the Guru who has given me Nama Shrestam, Manumapishachiputra Matrasvarupanam, and so on, who's given me the highest conception of the holy name, who's given me the mantras, who has given me access to uh, Radha Kund, and so on. So the Guru is not only the person who opens up the door. The Guru is also, the Diksha Guru is not only the one who opens up the door, the Diksha Guru is also the one who, who affords us all the unlimited possibilities of the spiritual world. In this world, we may be limited and hampered in so many different ways. But in the spiritual world, as my Guru Maharaj likes to say, we can fly as high as we wish. All the different opportunities will be there. And this, of course, is one of the paradoxes of spiritual life. The more we turn inwards, the more opportunities will present themselves. Think of Olav here. Uh, he's my, my colleague from, from, from Sweden, living in Denmark. He's a strong man. You can see that just by seeing his picture. He's a strong man. If I would tell Olav to, to lift me up, it wouldn't be a big thing for him. He could easily lift me up. Uh, into the air but, that, but if I would tell Olav to take me and Karen and Mohini and Maharha and everybody here in the Zoom room and make kind of a human ball out of us and lift us up in the air like that it would be a bit more of a challenge for even a strong guy like Olav but you did it already didn't you Olav in your mind yes so the world of the mind really is bigger than our physical world. We often think the opposite. We think that the world is big and I'm so small and insignificant. But it's actually the opposite. The world of the mind is spacious, more spacious than the world, the physical world. And that's only the mind. The mind is also limited. The mind is also limited. You can't think things that you have never experienced, for example, or that you don't have concepts for. So even the mind is limited. Beyond the mind, of course, is the world of this, the Atma, or the, the true self. So the Guru uh, gives us uh, access to all of these things, step by step, when, when uh, the Guru sees that we are ready. And the other type of Guru, there are many types of Gurus in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, but the Main types of gurus, of course, is the Diksha Guru, the initiating guru, and the Shiksha Guru, or the instructing guru. In many cases, these are the same person, 
Sometimes they may be different. We, may, we can only have one initiating guru, but uh, we, can have we can have several shiksha gurus, gurus that are, are instructing us and, and helping us on the spiritual path. So Raghunath Das is saying, give your love to the guru in all the forms that the guru takes. But he doesn't end there. He says, Guru Goshti, give your love to the pasture field. What kind of pasture field? Goshta really literally means the pasture. But of course, here it refers to Vrindavana, the transcendental otherworldly land of cows that is uh, manifested in India, the place where Krishna spent his uh, childhood and youth and uh, which is marked literally marked with his footsteps everywhere Vrindavan in our Gaudiya Vaishnava theology isn't just some place in India it's the abode of Sri Krishna we may not see everything in Vrindavan right now we may just see dust and trees and people and rickshaws and so on but actually, uh, it's the spiritual abode in this world. And this is an important thing. We will see here when Raghunath Das goes on in the Manashiksha, it's going to get his conception of Krishna consciousness is a very particular conception of Krishna consciousness. It's not just love for God in some uh, general, vague uh, way. But he's presenting a very detailed, exact uh, path towards a particular understanding of God. And with that particular understanding comes also a particular mood or feel or love for God. This is what makes the Manashiksha such a, a fascinating text. It's a very practical text leading to a very particular relationship with Krishna. Raghunath Das, of course, uh, loves Krishna uh, in the so-called Sringara or Madhurya Bhava, uh, the, the amorous uh, love for God. There are those who love Krishna as a, a ser servant, as a friend, as a parent, or as a lover. Raghunath Das uh, belongs to this last group. So his love for God, we will see when we come to the end of, of this, this verse, uh, has, is a particular form of love for Krishna. It's not vague at all, it's very detailed. And we may not have exactly the same kind of, of love for Krishna, but it's something we can aspire for, and it's, it's also something that we can be inspired by. Uh, we will see that, uh, uh, for example, the, the mood of the Priyanarmasaka or the, 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 the friend that has some uh, understanding of, of the amorous life of Krishna, uh, this will be quite compatible with what, what uh, Raghunath Das Goswami has to teach us in this text. So he says, give your love to the Guru, to Vrindavan, Goshtala Yishu, to the inhabitants of Vrindavan. With this, he refers 
to the eternal inhabitants of Vrindavan. Because Krishna is not alone there in Vrindavan. Krishna is in Vrindavan, just as in Madan Mohan and Mohini's picture here on, on Zoom, you can see. Uh, there's Krishna and Balaram and lots of other boys around them. Krishna is never alone. He's always accompanied by his, his friends, his associates, by the cows and everybody else. The spiritual world is a world of relationships, of dynamic, uh, ever-growing, ever-changing relationships. It's not uh, some kind of uh, uh, peaceful merging. It's rather a mix of ecstatic emotions. This is an important point, of course, for us to, to realize. This is something unique and special for Gaudiya Vaishnavism. This understanding of perfection, not just being peace, but something more than that. I was reading this one, one popular, a book by this popular uh, Indian guru. Maybe you've, you've, you've read about him or, or, or heard his talks or seen clips of his on, on YouTube. There's plenty of them called Sadguru. Uh, and uh, he wrote something, some, something uh, uh, that I liked in the introduction to, to this book I read. He said that he had been to, to Israel. And in Israel, the people told him that when he was doing namaste or something like that, they said that, that, that yeah, that's fine. But the, the highest greeting, the best way of greeting is to say shalom, because shalom means peace. And that's the highest thing. And Sadhguru said in that, uh, said that he had told that person that you really have to be a Middle East person to think that peace is the best thing you could get in the whole universe. Maybe peace is the best if you are in a, con in a situation full of conflict, but peace is just the starting point. Uh, my Guru Maharaj likes to speak about going from negative numbers, going from death into being free from death. If you if you're in debt for for a for a for a million dollars, that would be such a terrible situation. And then when your debt is cleared, that would be a huge relief. But life doesn't stop then. That's when actually things start happening. So in the same way, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, uh, we do not believe that spiritual perfection is all about peace or a calm situation. But from there, different ecstatic moods start growing up. So Raghunatha says, give your love to the Guru, to Vrindavan, and to the inhabitants of Vrindavan. All the, the Parshadas, all the, the associates of God. These associates also sometimes come down into this world, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, as the Uttamadikar or as the, the topmost devotees. Those devotees who are actually, uh, they, they seem to be in this world, but they're not of this world. They come down into this world to, to help us, to teach us, to, to do all kinds of things, but they're actually, they have both their feet in the spiritual world. Raghunath Das Goswami goes on. Gurau Goste Goshtala Isus Sujani, the next word is sujana, the good people. Give your love to the good people. The good people refers 
to the Vaishnavas, the middling Vaishnavas, those who have one foot in this world and one foot in the spiritual world, those who are, are practitioners, uh, but that have reached already a fairly high position. They're not completely beyond this world like the Uttamadikaris, but they are advanced practitioners, the Madhyamadikaris, those who can differentiate between what is good and bad for Krishna consciousness, uh, those who can see uh, how to deal with different people and so on. Give your love to them as well. And then, last word of the first line, Bhūsuradhani, and to the Brahmins. This is perhaps a little bit shocking. Why should we love the Brahmins? Bhakti Thakur uh, compares the Brahmins to the Kanishta Adhikaris, or, or the, the beginner in spiritual life. Uh, Raghunath Das, he's not speaking for himself here. Remember, he wasn't born in a Brahmin family. But he's saying that we should love the Brahmins as well because uh, uh, they represent, in this world, they are kind of like the person who still has both feet in this world, but still whose eyes are already turning towards the next world. They may still be, be entangled in this world in many different ways. If you met Brahmins in India, they can be greedy, they can be lusty or whatever, but still their eyes are turning towards the other world. So we should love them as well. And this is, of course, something that already demands some of this humility that Raghunath Das uh, mandated or that Raghunath Das told the mind to please develop. Always give up this pride. If I think of myself, for example, I'm a person who in one body, through my karma, has collected most of the privilege points that are available in the world today. I'm a white man, heterosexual. Uh, I've had the opportunity to get exactly the kind of education I wanted. Uh, I never had to, to, to help my parents out with the rent or, or anything like that. I'm a supremely privileged uh, white uh, man I'm not a Brahmin by birth from the Vedic perspective I'm not really that privileged I'm a Mlecha I'm an outcast by birth it's quite useful for me to think of myself like this and to show respect to somebody else I'm not that special I can show respect to others that uh, don't have the same education, don't have the same material background, to show respect to them, even if I don't know them, even if they are not my friends, even if they don't even exactly share my spiritual aspirations. Still, Raghunathas Goswami says, show love also to the Brahmins. Gurau Goshti, Goshtalai Susujani, Bhusuragani.
Those are the first. Then Svamantri. That's the next. Svamantri. To your own mantra. Cultivate love towards your mantra. In Gaudiya Vaishnavism, uh, we uh, sometimes speak about having two types of initiation. The Harinam initiation and the Mantra initiation. But really, technically speaking, we only have one initiation. And that is what we sometimes call the mantra or second initiation. Technically, that's the real initiation. That's when the guru gives us uh, the mantra for worshipping Krishna. Uh, in our particular branch of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, we get uh, uh, several mantras. There's one mantra for... for uh, um, the guru one for Gauranga and so on so we should cultivate love towards these mantras because these mantras of course uh, are a way for us to get closer to, uh, to God by reciting, by meditating by tapping into the power of these mantras not only that Svamantri Shri Namni to the holy name. The holy name, of course, refers to, to God's different holy names. There's this, this uh, uh, doctrine within uh, uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism with the idea that God doesn't have a name. Just like God doesn't have a form, he doesn't have a name. He is his name. There's no difference between the name Krishna and Krishna. Nama namino rabhinnatvat. Uh, there's no difference between Krishna and his name. By saying Krishna's name, we're actually in touch with Krishna, whether we realize it at the moment or not. So cultivate love towards the holy name, because that's the most concrete way in which Krishna appears in this world. Raghunath Das used to recite the Maha Mantra, consisting of Krishna's names, uh, 100,000 times a day. It takes about eight hours every day he would do because of his deep love for the holy name. Svamantre Shri Namni Navayuva Dvandvasharani And the last, the eighth thing. And for the shelter of the youthful couple. Who is this youthful couple? Well, of course, Radha and Krishna. We'll hear more about this in, in the chap in the verses to come where Raghunath Das will go more deeply, deeper and deeper into what he exactly means by this youthful couple. But he mentions it here already in the first verse to, to show us that he's not speaking about God in some general way, but he's speaking about a very particular understanding of Radha and Krishna in Vrindavan, surrounded by their eternal associates, uh, by the practicing devotees, and by others in, we can imagine, as, as, as several circles surrounding the divine couple. And of course, uh, Raghunath Das is stressing the divine couple here in, already in the first verse shows us that uh, as Gaudiya Vaishnavas uh, 
we're not really interested in Krishna alone, but we're interested in Krishna uh, with Krishna's energies, Radha and Krishna. Prabhupada used to say that when Krishna is alone, he's not so special, but when Krishna is with Radha, that's when he really shines. And the same, of course, could be said about Radha. These two together, that's the ultimate goal of uh, Gaudi Vaishnavas that share the same mood as Raghunath does. And of course, if we don't share that exact mood, uh, we can think of the divine couple, perhaps here as meaning the couple of Krishna Balaram, Namayuva Dvandva Sharana. Uh, here in the first verse, we could still make that uh, interpretation. Later on, we'll see that uh, Raghunathas is uh, having something more specific in mind. But even a person who is uh, uh, who has a, a particular love for for Krishna and Balaram uh, will still know that uh, Krishna has this secret. Uh, life together with Radha. So this will be relevant even for, for that devotee. So in this verse, uh, Raghunath Das has in this way uh, entreated his mind, my dear internal brother, uh, with beautiful wor words, I'm entreating you, holding to your feet, please always give up pride and cultivate unprecedented, wonderful love towards uh, the Guru, Vrindavan, the eternal inhabitants of Vrindavan, towards the practicing devotees, towards the Brahmanas, towards the mantra, towards the holy name, and towards attaining the shelter of the youthful couple of Vrindavan. So that's the first verse of Manashiksha. Any questions or, or comments? I don't have a question, but I did want to say that this is a wonderful class. And um, it's one of my favorite topics. <laughs> so really good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. That means a lot. I'm, I'm, as I said, I don't really feel so qualified for this, but, but I'm trying my best. And, and I think Padmanabh Maharaj pleased me because he asked me to give this, on particularly this topic. So I'm doing my best. Jai Prigupad, thank you for the class. It's Omkar. Um, I wanted to ask, can you hear me? Yes. I wanted to ask if I was to read one copy as an accompaniment, which copy should I read? This big one. Okay. I don't <laughs> think I have access to it right now, but. <laughs> you take whatever you can. You'll find the, the verses, the, just the verses you'll find online as well. And uh, maybe also the commentary of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. That commentary is actually not very extensive. So, so uh, 
that would be very good for you to read. Bhakti Nortakuri, he wrote this commentary. He also wrote the Bengali uh, version. I mean, the verses are written in Sanskrit, but he wrote in uh, a Bengali kind of song version of the Manashiksha, which is quite sweet and, and uh, uh, easy to understand. So, so if you can find that online, that would be useful as well. Okay. Thank you so much for the class. Um, I did not really understand why you say that uh, you start translating from the last line, like the reason why, if you can say it again, thank you. Thank you. No, I didn't say why, I just said that it is like that. So that's a good question. Uh, it's uh, because of the way in which, which Sanskrit is written, uh, you usually kind of get the, the verb just at the end. Like for example, if you'd say that uh, uh, Rama goes to the forest. So that in Sanskrit, that would be uh, Rama, Ramaha vanam gacchati. Rama goes to the forest. But literally it is Rama to the forest goes. So when you want to kind of make sense of that in English or another language which works, which works, works in a different way, uh, it's usually helpful to start from the end. It's the same with, with some other languages. German, for example, is an example of this. But also when it comes to verses, authors tend to want to kind of save the real point for the end. So for example, if we have these long meditation verses, you'll get all the different descriptions in the first lines. And then at the end, it will say, like this, I'm meditating on you, Krishna. So it's quite nice when you get the whole verse, like dark as a monsoon cloud, uh, wearing a peacock feather in his hair, uh, having a garland of forest flowers around his neck, surrounded by the cowherd uh, boys and, and the cows, accompanied by Balaram, uh, um, having dust from the, 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 the ground all over his body, and so on and so on. And then at the end, like this, I'm meditating on Krishna, uh, entering Vrindavan village uh, at dusk in the evening. So it's quite nice when you have the whole picture like this, but when you start translating it kind of part by part, uh, it's easier for the, the for, for your own understanding and those of others if you start with kind of the, 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 the subject or, or, or of the verse at the end. So here, for example, Raghunath Das, only at the end he said, Oh, Oh, my inner brother, with uh, beautiful words, I'm holding on to your feet and asking you. And then I took all these things that he was asking the mind to do after that, to make it kind of more easy to, to follow. Is that okay? Yes, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Pranam.
Okay, I want to thank you, uh, everyone, for attending. Mancha Galpatarubiascha, Kripa, Sindubiavacha, Patitanam, Bavani, Bio, Vaishnavi, Bio, Namunama. Jai, Shishi Guru Goranga Gandaga, Gidari Shishi, Rada, Madan Muharada, Gubinara, Gubinaka, Rada, Damara, Shamasun, Rada, Damara, Gukudan, Rada, Madava, Dojikupal, Nitaigo, Shishar, Gut, Kiriraja, Kija. Jai, Mishan Parparang, Supervaja, Kacharyash, Tutta, Shishimad. Bhakti Viranta Tripurari Devo Swamarashla Gurudev Ki Jai Jai Nithila Pravishtam Vishnupada Vaishananam in the Bhakti Viranta Swamarashla Prabhupada Prabhupada Ki Jai Jai Nithila Pravishtam Vishnupada Bhakti Rakshakshita Devo Swamaraj Ki Jai Jai Nithila Pravishtam Vishnupada Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Devo Swamarashla Prabhupada Ki Jai Jai Raghunath Das Goswamaraj Ki Jai Jai Manashiksha Ki Jai Jai Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanande Hari Hari Bol Happy Maha Shivaratri. We have Shivaratri here today in Europe and in India. So Shivachaturdashi ki jai. Jai. Go. Prabhu ki jai. Jai. See you all uh, latest next week and on the Swami call on, on Sunday. I'm sure we'll see each other there as well. Arrivo. Jai.